0: Michael here 360 digital closing bell we are live from an undisclosed location here in Denver Colorado like I mentioned I am your humble humble correspondent Michael Turner. joined as always by the executive producer of the show the director and publisher of the world's greatest website www.oilandgas360.com Stuart Turley he's coming to us from Dallas Stu how are you doing I'm doing great it's a beautiful day in Dallas yeah, say, is, it, it is. I mean, we're we're recording this Thursday afternoon. It's time stands it's about about twelve twenty Mountain Standard Time. It is gorgeous. Not a cloud in the sky here. I'm 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 ready to get this done. Crank out our two p.m. show, then just go sit outside on the porch.
1: Yeah, getting ready to hit my trainer. It's the first time in a little while I'm going to be able to hit the trainer.
0: Yeah, we haven't done a mileage update. We'll have to keep you keep you updated on that. But we are excited to be here. Episode number eighteen. Like I mentioned, this is. If you're listening to this, this is Friday, May 22nd. We're recording this, as I mentioned. Thursday afternoon, time stands about 1225 uh, Pacific time. Oil, 33.85. I just like telling you when we record because with the way oil trades, it could be 40 bucks by the time you hear this, and I just – you need to know what like, we're dealing with the data that we have available. We have a great show lined up, but I first need to talk to you about our friends at Adamatine Energy. And really, if you're an executive out there and you're not asking yourself, what is social risk? You're really doing yourself a disturbance. Your company needs a strategic partner to help manage and prepare for all of the shareholder institutional pressure that's going to come on you and your peer company, aspirational regulatory challenges that are really driving energy policy. What, you know, all the anti-gas climate, local divestitures stuff, Adamantine Energy is the leading consultancy that's helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of the social risk. They are led by the wonderful and awesome former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Tisha Shuler. They, Adamantine Energy, they guide energy companies just like yours through your exposure to social risk, your options and results, and how your peer companies are responding and the opportunities that social risks can actually create for your business. And that's something that, that, that you hear that. That's not there's no placating there social risk. There are opportunities right now to get in on social risk and that, and that can create large revenue opportunities for your company. And please call Adam and team energy. They're the experts when it comes to this www. EnergyThinks.com. I love that website. Such a great website considering what, what they do. I love everything about these guys. If you are not already subscribed to Tisha Shuler's weekly emails, well, that stinks because guess what? Your competitors are reading it. And it's a weekly email called both things are true. really, she takes a look at ideas in which both sides of these things can be true. It's an awesome week's And I actually, you know, I, before I, I met her, which was about a year ago, she, she was just starting to spin up this idea of both things are true. And I honestly it was a sort of mind mind shift for me when you started thinking about there are two opposing ideas can be true esg is good but also that you know the fossil fuels are necessary as we continue into the future and that's really where i think she thrives working along that balance point she also has a podcast called the energy thinks podcast by Tisha. so you can check this all out as i mentioned www.energythinks.com you can find them on all of these social medias Great show lined up for you again. Another random story time. We actually have a larger segment, uh, rant we're going to drop next Monday. So we're going to whip around the oil field and just do a random story time. We're going to check the week that was in oil trading. Some crazy news drop. We'll check in with our 360 official, non-official fund. Tomcat is out. Spoiler alert, which is crazy to see. Really, but before we dive into random story time, please just subscribe to this podcast: iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Three Hundred and Sixty Digital Closing Bell. The best way to stay up to date on all things energy markets. Please follow Entercom, Twitter, Oil and Gas Three Hundred and Sixty. Please follow the the Oil and Gas Three Hundred and Sixty News Desk on Twitter, which is cranking out all of the articles that you can find on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. Connect with the show via LinkedIn. We've got new interviews that we're dropping on the Energy 360 Network, which you can also find on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. I just love saying that. So it, forgive me. I'm, gonna, I'm every, We're, we're going to get that every time. The Energy 360 Network is also available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. The best way to stay updated on all of your energy, thought, leadership. Alex Epstein. Uh, we have coming out Tuesday interview with him. He is the author of the book A Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and is, uh, has a really, really some just cool ventures just going on right now. And has on, honestly is the most refreshing take when it comes to how to navigate some of this, you know, environmental, social risk stuff that's going on. I, I, um, he is a very interesting guy. And I really enjoy chatting with him. Wednesday, Netherlands, Soul, We love those guys there. Powerhouse interview. You've got you and Aaron are sitting on uh, that one, correct? Yes,
1: we are canning that one tomorrow. We're actually doing the interview with uh, the executives tomorrow and then uh, rolling that bad dog out Wednesday. We're looking at yeah,
0: The to- premier, if you, if you need reserves booked, call them. That's all I need to say. It's about all we need to say. All right, enough clerical work. I think it's time now to shift into, you know, again, random story time. You know, I, I really do like to start these off with 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 sort of a big topic and we dive into. We're actually lining one up for you on Monday. Um, we, we, we have a really interesting topic that we want to dive into and spend a, and spend a decent chunk of time dissecting. It it's kind of goes along the line with some of the things we've been talking about, but we will save that for then. When we kind of just whip around the oil field, there's at least four or five stories I wanted to dive into, the sort of what happened last week that I think shed some light on what's moving forward. First, North Dakota becomes the third state to hear pro um, meetings. We know Texas first did it um, early, um, late April with big, big, big commotion. Uh, Pioneer Natural Resources, Parsley Energy, big, big, big people trying to get them cut. You know, um, Texas Petroleum Council on the other side did not want proation to happen, and ultimately it was decided in a two-to-one vote that proation shouldn't happen. And 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 really, it's probably been a good thing as we've seen domestic production continue to drop. Oklahoma heard. Um, early this week or uh, late last week, excuse me, heard probation and they're not expected to do anything. I think as the more and more we move throughout, it's have but North Dakota on Monday did hear probation. Um, it had what we call proation hearing, but really what the new, sh- the new terminology went from stroke, on stroke uh, went from basically just proating saying, no, we can't produce to declaring oil production at certain levels, waste. It's talking about a sleight of hand. It's like, do you want I, 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 no analogy. It's just basically declaring it as waste. It's sort of funny. The only people that actually came out for it was Continental. Um, you heard from Blue Huesley, who's their Continental Senior Vice President of Government Relations. I mean, really the biggest, the, the, the biggest quote that I got was the market is working from a reduction standpoint. We We are reducing, but is it being done in an efficient way? That's just when I read that quote. It that's that's what you get out of a government relations official right there. That's what you get out of a government relations official. He's right running there. for political office next week. Exactly. He he says exactly why we shouldn't be cutting. He says exactly why we shouldn't be propping. Markets are working from a reduction standpoint. But what their needs? Why are we sitting there? It just it just kills me when you read these it, when you read these quotes because he probably thought he did really well. Then you go read half the article that S and P wrote We like, screwed. It. So I, you know, from that standpoint, I don't expect North Dakota to prorate at all or quote unquote declare this waste. You know, the other side of the coin who was the North Dakota Petroleum Council whose pimpers pump 90% of the state's output. So I think, so I, I mean, what's funny is, you know, Continental is probably a member of the North Dakota Petroleum Council. So they're sort of going rogue, but North Dakota Petroleum Council, they were urging the commission to continue to let producers to respond to the market. We will get into um, what the actual production levels are um, for each of those basins in an upcoming segment here. But there's really been about a third of that, uh, about 500,000 barrels of North Dakota production that's been taken off of the market, which has been in response to the oil price collapse. Current estimated production is about 950,000 barrels over the Bakken, which is interesting. So for some we see Bakken production below a million barrels in a hot, hot minute. But we don't expect North Dakota to actually prorate market seems to be working. And I think from that standpoint, you know, it's probably good nobody prorated because we, you know, time stands right now. Oil's 33 bucks. We don't see negative pricing happening again. At least the 360 closing bell crew doesn't see negative pricing happening again. So that means one of two things. The shut-ins are working and we've solved the storage issue. And It's probably a combination of both. Are you glad to hear about this, Stu? I mean, think about, I'm mad. I just imagine the legal ramifications if we had actually done, if Texas had actually done this, woohoo!
1: Oh, it'd been awful. Um, you know, we believe in the free market, but something, you know, it's, it's a handoff, which way.
0: Something's got to give. And, 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 and the next thing I wanted to cover because you know we were mentioning the production output from North Dakota has finally dropped below a million. The EIA came out and had, and and on Monday and released a, a wide range of what they call updates to their weekly market or their, excuse me, their monthly production, um, what they call estimates and they call them revised numbers. And really what they did is they came up with a bunch of revisions. They, 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 last month, if, if you remember, EIA forecasted production to drop 183,000 barrels. So that was what their original um, cut was on a, on a monthly basis, but day to day. So 130, excuse me, 183,000 barrels per day. That's a total of 8.526 million barrels per day. That, that number is just too huge to think about. So I always like to talk about the change from month to month. So 183, that was their original um, production drop that they were assuming for the month of May. They've now upped it 15,000 barrels to 197,000, which is, um, you know, the EIA is always a little more conservative then than I think what actually happens actually goes on in the market. So to see them revi- continue to revise up and basically are at 200,000 barrels a day being wiped off the market just due to shut ins. That's crazy. That's operators continuing, continuing to do their job. The biggest thing that I saw in this and what I wanted to point out, and if you have the opportunity, I'll, I'll link this article in the show notes, but it's, it's an S&P Global article and they break down uh, production month to month, January, 2020, all the way through June, 2020 with May and June being guesses, because those numbers haven't come in yet. And they break it down by the different bases. And you can see from a month to month standpoint, we've fallen at peak, you know, we, 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 we've dropped, you know, like they mentioned in March, 2020 or the, or excuse me, yeah, March, 2020, which is the, you know, the, the, the month before the final, the, the, you know, The month before the current data. The current data we have now is April 2020. So if we want to go the month before that, we got to look at March 2020, which is really February. It's just because everything lags one behind one. But it was basically 9.02 million barrels a day where in April it was 8.824. So there's about 200,000, there's the 200,000 barrels being wiped off the market. But the cool part is where it's coming off. From. And this is something that the digital closing, but we've been on early, mostly because we've conveniently had experts from Enverness, um, you know, from, uh, specifically in Veris, when we had Bernadette Johnson on there, them talking about Three, four dollar gas. Well, why are they saying that? They're looking at these numbers, and the key is looking at the basins. The Appalachian and the Haynesville, known for primary gas production zones, Appalachia has seen zero drop in the amount of production they have, specifically from tight oil, which basically means they're not shutting off. You know, you produce it all together. It's not like there's a gas well over here and an oil well right next to it. You produce it all out of one. It just depends what you're actually going for in terms of what you're going to sell. When we get down to the Haynesville, there's been no drop as well. You know, 400,000 barrels, um, in, in March and April, and they predict 400,000 barrels in May and June. That's the other crazy part. When you look at the prediction numbers, not only has it not fallen off since January, they predict no falling off in both the Appalachian and the Hainesville, but huge drop off. You look at the Permian, at peak, it was 4.8 million in March, 2020. They predict by June, 2020, 4.2. It's so almost 800,000 barrels a day being taken off the market. Those confirm a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. And it was really cool to say, I love that. So if you, had an opp- if you hadn't had an opportunity, please, Please go look at the new EIA to the drops. We will put the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, and, and Michael, you hit it right on the nose. The other piece is the Marcellus and up in that area is more efficient on natural gas uh, drilling than is the yes. Permian. Permian's got a lot of problems with flaring and not having the takeaway capacity. So, uh, pretty strong on being just a flat level, uh, as you say. They're predicting no change.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the other prediction, that I think, we, you know, we haven't necessarily come out of made yet, but I'm willing to start it right now and moving forward because I've, I've been chatting with natural gas M&A market is going to be huge quarter three, quarter four this year when things continue to bottom out. It's something that me and Nick Barry specifically been talking about. And when he comes on the show Monday, we will have to chat with him. But I think this is all leading for a very crazy M&A space for the natural gas. and and, and that's and, and so I think that's something to look for. Another story that I just want to cover real quickly for all the traders out there. So if you're not a trader, you can fast forward about two minutes. But if you are a commodities trader, watch out. Futures come, uh, this, the the CFCT is now spinning up a whole new regulatory business to probe futures trading. Um, basically, what they're doing is this is in response to a JP Morgan scandal that broke out in the silvers market. But how you basically bluff the futures market if you trade commodities, It's they, they call it spoofing, which is... Most people, as, as I always mentioned, I trade with, there are two types of ways to trade. There's the Tomcat way, which is pure price action. Let's throw time, price on a chart and see what happens over time and try to correct pens. The other one is, the other way to trade is what's called the volume, which is, well, which is basically, let's look at who's buying and who's selling. And that can give us idea of where the market was where it's going and, and possibly some trend and both are accurate you can trade either one so when you hear price action price over time when you hear order flow just think volume how many contracts are coming in and out on the buy side if you trade commodities forewarning you should probably be looking at order flow it's the way that most of the professionals do it but what can happen is is because you can you can set order levels so let's say for example oil is trading at 40 dollars right now you want to buy 5,000 contracts At thirty-eight dollars. Well, you can submit an order for that, and that'll show up on every single trader's chart. And now everyone sees five thousand contracts at thirty-eight dollars, just slammed in there. Well, what does that mean? Volume follows price, or excuse me, price falls. Yeah, said it the exact opposite. Price follows volume. So if I see five thousand contracts, two dollars below, I think somebody's got a good idea. This is going to go down to thirty-eight bucks. I start short. I'm putting in shorters. Well, then what you do? Then you 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 cause that price falls a little bit. If you're that big institution with those 5,000 contracts, you pull those 5,000 contracts, you delete the order, and now you go long right at that point to drive the market. You actually enter long and move the market. It's called spoofing the market. Up until now, it's been really, 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 really hard to catch, but actually these JP Morgan guys got toasted on it in the silver's market. So don't, don't. I've, I've seen this happen, I've anyone who's traded futures and order flow has seen a spoof happen. It's tough to like call them out. You know when it happens. Um, but just watch out for you if you're a commodities future trader right now, they're cracking down on you. I mean, in this, it's, it's a Reuters article that let's see, I mean, look at who they're, they're hiring. The, the list of who they were hiring. The unit is also hiring. Oh, here we go. The justice department fraud division is beefing up with the creation of the subunit specializing in commodities fraud, overseen by Abe Perry, a trial attorney who is prosecuted. This is, look who he's prosecuted. Tower research capital, Merrill Lynch commodities, and the JP Morgan quote. Big boy, they're bringing in some big sticks in there. So Watch yourself. Now, they're not coming after the individual day traders, but if you're working at a prop desk right now, watch yourself. Spoof in the market. No bueno. No bueno. bueno. That's Um, a new
1: technical finance term.
0: You know, it's kind of like non-gap, right? Yeah, exactly. Non-gap cash flow. One of my favorite accounting terms of all time. Non-gap podcast. That's what we're producing right here. Not traditional (laughs) non-gap podcast. So the last two stories we need to cover are actually sort of in the ESG space. Obviously, the big one that was making the news both on EFT Twitter and on LinkedIn was Google kind of pulling out of the um, AI and machine learning space. They it, The reason why they are for the oil and gas industry and the reason why they're doing that is sort of to get in line with their um, EOG space. It's, you know, I, I sort of describe it to the guy, in the, the, you know, the, the woman you could never date you just finally give up and say, well, I'm, I'm not interested in dating you. Well, it was not interested in dating you. The oil and gas industry was not interested in using Google anyway for any of this stuff. So they can take the moral high ground and just back up on it. Um, I don't really have much more to say about it. You can find the article on oilandgas360.com. They're only making about 65 million in 2019 on Google cloud revenue. And that's, you know, they, they were making about 1.3 billion on cloud computing in 2019. So it's a small fraction of what they were saying. So not a very big hit to their revenue you might not be able to find oat milk in the it's probably just the oat milk in the google cafeterias that you can't find it that's about all that got hit you have to drink two percent now not the oat milk unfortunately
1: yeah i'm lactose intolerant
0: so there you go and you Stu, you've got one on esg banking we need to cover real quick uh while Uh, we whip and our final whip around uh city uh bank just put out one that i thought
1: was just absolutely very interesting it really didn't Totally, they' they've got a whole new section uh, for ESG financing and capital mm-hmm. and that goes right on into a couple different things that um, uh, Tisha from Adam and, uh, Ener- energy as well as Bernadette were on their webcast. they were talking about ESG and how important it is in their field everything else right now. Michael, what is the number one thing we're hearing? Oh, ESG. ESG is
0: huge. It's And that, it, spoiler it. alert, that's going to be our case study we're doing Monday. We're going to kind of dive into not the history, a little bit the history of ESG, where it's come, where it's grown, and then where we think it's heading. Obviously, Tisha Schuler and Adam Between Energy are a sponsor of the show, so we love ourselves. A great ESG conversation, but I'm excited to kind of dive in because there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I think mean, it gets a bad rap. I think it gets a bad rap in some areas, and it gets just the right rap in others. Both you things bet. are true. But,
1: The reason that that was so important, Michael, is because the simple fact that cash is tough for oil companies right now. If they've got a lot of debt, if they've got a lot of issues, cash is tough. Now, if you ain't got a ESG program, you're toast.
0: I mean, even continental resources are our favorite our favorite continental resource, Harold Ham. You wouldn't strike me as somebody who's hardcore into the issue. Even they have an ESG page on their website. So that tells you all you need to know about ESG. But I think that's about all we need to do, whipping around for random story time in the oil field. Please, if you have any stories that you'd like us to cover or, or territories that, that you think we're missing, email me, mtannerentercominc.com. We appreciate it. Like I said, we'll be coming to you next. Uh, Monday back on our regular rant schedule segment one, where we we're be talking about sort of the history of ESG, but I think it's time to move into the week that was in oil trading. But as always, this segment is sponsored by our friends and loyal sponsors at Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insane, the good research. They provide all of the levels and most of the research from this uh, podcast comes from their energy glimpse solution. Just check them out. www.sandstonecg.com. Great website, 949-561-1818 extension. 101 if you need them they will be there for you um in terms of the stories that happened last week obviously i think we did a good job of covering that in our random story time so really i think i mean really the biggest thing that i the, the. The one thing that happened this week that that, that I think to to, to sort of take away from from stories was looking at those EIA numbers. If you have not seen that article, you have not read that report that came out on Monday, I highly recommend doing it. I mean, because right now, the way oil and gas is trading, it's all fundamentals. Until we know any new data points that come out, it's all fundamentals. And these are what moving markets right now. It's great numbers. Um, and it's really, you know, look at the individual. I'm telling you, it's, it's very, we, it, you know, not weird. It just confirms everything people are talking about how the natural gas. I mean, it's weird how when you look at the data, it confirms what the experts say. Oh, you're looking at the same data, then, which is always convenient. to you know, but when you look at this, yes, Appalachian, Haynesville, they're not, they're not falling in production. It's great. It's not great to see. It just confirms everything we've said about natural gas. But Stu, what do we have on the international news desk?
1: Well, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, Reistad had put out a worldwide natural gas uh, article this week that we had also put out some information on. Internationally, demand for natural gas is going down by 2%. However, worldwide supply, because of all the other stories that we are covering, uh, natural gas, if you take a look at the Leviathan field, you take a look at everything else, supply is going down. Price
0: quicker, will go a quicker up. Quicker
1: rate, I assume, I assume yes. like more than 2%? Yep. So price is going up on natural gas worldwide.
0: And it will. And, and, and I joke a lot that natural gas is killing me. And if you watch the digital ticker, down 2%. Do 2.8% today. So I joke a lot that natural gas being that we keep hearing natural gas I mean, you you have to think about the summer winter cycles. That's another reason why I don't like trading natural gas. It's too cyclical for me. It almost tra- it trades like what we call a piano chord, a very nice, well put together symphony. If you can just follow the trends and you follow the weather patterns and specifically the seasonal effects, you can actually do a pretty decent job on that. I, you know, so so like I said, I may make you, you may hear me in in our two o'clock show today making fun of natural gas being all the way down to a dollar 72, but but I really do expect it to come. Up. And this is the reason why, and it's you know, partly the reason why when you look at this EIA numbers, I think the M&A market for natural gas is going to be crazy. I think you're going to see the big boys get in on it heavily. Anything else from the International News Desk?
1: Uh, it's just we've covered a lot of it, a lot of things. Oh, yes, we also have uh, Occidental TSA uh, abandon the, uh, informa- the, uh, the plan to acquire the assets from Occidental in guyana and that is pretty big I, occidental really needed that
0: yeah it was about a five billion then, and then it was about a five billion dollar deal to set uh, to, uh you know occidental was going to sell their ghana assets to total in part to help finance the anadarko purchase which is now basically worth zero um the yeah the Algeria,
1: 37, al- 37 billion to zero michael something like that
0: Oh yeah. No, thirty-seven billion two to zero. I mean, it was, it's, I mean, now what's, I mean, what I, I actually, there was an interesting thread on EFT Twitter. I know I keep referencing this, but if, you, but if you are not on Twitter and you're not following EFT, please do that. I'm about to be June 1st, by the way, is when all of the new socials are being relaunched under a new strategy. So, you should, at June 1st, go look at the Oil and Gas 360 Twitter. I will be following the top accounts that you need to follow, probably about 200 of them. Those are the accounts you need to be following because they're going to give you probably the best insight about what's going on. But a very interesting thread um, that I said was that, to, to, to be honest with you, if you actually look at the market cap of Occidental, you can own the. the it, it's, if we look at the market cap of Oxy right now, let me do that right now so I don't mess this up. I'm pretty sure it's like 10, 12 billion. It's something crazy like that. More market capitalization, 13 billion. So it wasn't far off. So market capitalization, 13 billion. Majority of that capitalization comes from their Anadarko Corporation purchase because Anadarko had the best acreage. And the best acreage that's in Occidental right now, and the only stuff that's actually profitable is the Anadarko. So the Anadarko deal probably is the only thing keeping. Not keeping them afloat. What's funny is their best acreage was acquired in that deal, but it's also the deal that the debt from that is now completely hanging over their head and those $800 million quarterly interest payments to senior debt holder Warren Buffett. That'd be a great quarter. Every quarter, he's got to be loving it.
1: it actually, it's kind of interesting from the standpoint that some of my uh, charts are saying day trade. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, d- d- maybe day trade him. Don't long-term trade them. That's all I'll say. Don't long-term. long-term you're out, man. Oh, sorry. God, no, no. No. Okay. So yeah, that's the other big thing, um, to be watching for on the international side. Um, you know, it's thank goodness total is able to get out of that. If you're a fan of oxy, unfortunately, I'm sorry. Um, but, that, um, it's just tough for them when we move in to the levels for crude oil this week, um, if you're on the bull side, which I was tentatively, you were right. So uh, chalk it up for another win for the league. The levels did okay. Really, the the, the big levels I had were thirty two seventy three, thirty three sixty five, and thirty four thirty six. If you're a bull, those I think are your um, three numbers you need to be watching for very specifically. Pivot point thirty one forty nine, um, which is the point of control for the entire week. Um, so that was good to see what's just interesting about where we are at now is 33 or really 34 to 36 uh you know excuse me 35 uh even or really what i'm calling 3491 is the top but up if we get above 3491 we have not seen between 35 and it's like 42 we haven't seen that in like 20 years or not 20 years. It was like 15 years. I, w- I went back and looked at the chart because I was trying to figure out where's the volume. All right. When this thing pops up above 35, which it's bounded, what's it going to do? And I started mapping. It's like, oh wait, you can't. You actually can't because there's just, there's little volume in there when that's you know sort of the downside to playing the volume game and what i do with order flow at some point when there's no volume you don't have an idea of where it's going so i'm a little you know obviously i don't think it's just going to bounce all the way back up to 40 it's not just going to go above 35 and immediately kick to 42 it might who knows depending on how the algos play it but you know it's probably going to hang out you know 34 35 dollars it'll be interesting to see as we roll into um, um next tuesday when we have contract rollover what happens do we see this oil price dip back down you know, maybe below 20 below 15. I don't know. I don't think it's going to go negative. But I think Tuesday is going to be a big, big um, key when when everything rolls over, you know, as we know, that's why we saw negative pricing last uh, last month, the same situation is quote unquote occurring. On Tuesday, now, I don't think it's going to occur. I don't think negative pricing is But we might see something interesting. So I think early on, I'm skeptical. But I do think $30 is a really good floor, assuming something crazy doesn't happen with storage. You covered, the
1: uh, you but, covered all the uh, uh, getting back on the road and all the demand starting to come back up. So I think that you nailed it on that. So yeah. I think you won't see the negative numbers because we finally did have, you know, you called it, um so.
0: yeah so I mean, I mean sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good Stu that's how I always say it. sometimes <laughs> it's better to be lucky than good if you' are if you are a bear this week in terms of just a structural standpoint 3273, 3201, 3149, I think are your levels as you chop downward um, there's just so much volume to the downside that you know really it's it's really I, I would probably if you're looking at this from an order flow standpoint I'd like to dive into a footprint chart versus just playing the volume levels. Um. So, if you are looking to get into trading, if you are a bear and you want to get into trading from an economic or from a uh, a future standpoint, please do yourself a favor and get in on a footprint chart and get yourself a price ladder. It's to of be the best best ways to trade. Partly why, as Stu mentioned, you know we've been not as bullish and we weren't really thinking negative pricing was going to happen it was one. It was an anomaly that you know it's never happened before. Why do we think a unexpected and an unprecedented event is necessarily going to happen again. I mean, it, it, it was possible. I think, you know, in, in the interim, I think a lot of people said, Hey, maybe it couldn't, you know, early on I thought it might be possible. But part of the reason why it's definitely not going to happen on Tuesday is when you look at the numbers that dropped Wednesday, we covered this in the closing bell yesterday, 5 million million, not 500,000, 5 million barrel draw total U.S. DOE crude stocks. And specifically at Cushing, there was even more 5 million, 5.6 million barrel draw all the way down to 56.9 million barrels. Great seeing stocks below 60 million barrels. And I just wanted to give you an idea. There's about 93 million barrels of storage available in Cushing. And part of the reason what happened last year, Um, negative pricing time was it was all booked up. There was this expectation that production wasn't going to be able to get turned off fast enough and all 93 million barrels of storage was accounted for or rented out. So the fact that a, we're seeing some draws from that, is allowing these supply-demand balances to balance back up. Total domestic crude was down 100,000 barrels, 11.5 million. like to see that number a little up, but as long as we continue to drop 100,000 barrels off the market per week, and we can get, you know, I'd like to see us below 11 million. I think that's the target zone for when we get into June. I'd like to see us about 11 million barrels. But who knows, if oil price continues to come up, I mean, 33 is you know, 33 bucks is the new 70. So I wouldn't be surprised if this thing hit 40 and you saw frack crew starting fired which I mean, is good. We, we you know, I, I, I saw an article. Today. There's only one frack crew driving around in North Dakota right now. If what, if you're on that crew and you're listening, please email us. I want to know what it's like. If you guys like, you guys like the lone wolves out there riding high. Only people, uh, the select few allowed to frack right now. It's got to be a, it's got to be a good frack crew though. They're going to probably get pretty good results. That's why the top, those are the top frackers. I promise you the who's ever out fracking right now. Those are, that's the top crew right there. You know, that's the Super Bowl right there. Yeah, they all have rings. <laughs> they do, exactly. They've been around a while. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, anything else on the week? Uh, from the week that wasn't oil trading, Stu, before we dive into our 360
1: fund? Uh, no, I mean, it's just been crazy.
0: You guys, it has been crazy. Like I said, we will be back Monday with more of a – Um, regular structured lineup with a rant to begin with, and then we'll dive into the week that was. But we need to get in down to our 360 official, non-official fund. But before we do that, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. As always, this segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on the show, me, Michael Tanner, Stu, Stuart Turley, invest for our own account. We do not manage anyone's outside money. We do not give investment advice. We don't offer securities or have any involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Remember, risking is invest... or. risky is investing investment investing is risky and you can and will lose all of your principal. trust me it's happened to me before it will happen to you Stu how's your portfolio looking this week uh doing mediocre um Duke uh
1: is about my best thing going and it's flat uh but Rattler is uh been pretty strong for me right now and charts are really looking good on Rattler uh, you know, it's a subsidiary of Fang and, uh, I'm out of Fang, but, uh, Rattler midstream is doing really good in phase is down like a big dog, but, uh, GeoPark is down just a little bit, but on the week it's doing good.
0: Yeah. And you can check out all of our picks at the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. Just go to the 360 digital clothes, Page. you can check out all of our picks. Tomcat sounds like he's out.
1: He's out. Uh, Woo
0: That's nuts. Yeah. Markets, markets finally get a win for the week.
1: Oh yeah, he he's done well, and uh, he's sitting on the sideline. And I think it's partially because of the holiday weekend. Yeah. But uh, he was giving me. He and I were going through some of
0: it, and he's got good reasons. No, I I can only imagine. And that's you know an interesting data point. The only thing I've done is is is, is double down on our natural gas position for us, and that's down. You know, currently 3.2%. So yay for the experts on that one. Um, our total basket price though for an entrance point, uh, dollar seventy-three though. So we're only down about twenty cents on an average bucket. Um, so it's not not uh, not terrible. Um, you know, you know, Bonanza Creek does well, does not do well. Um, you know, currently it's sitting at 16, uh, 19. So we've, you know, we've made about, you know, 6,500 bucks. So the funds, the funds doing okay, about a percent increase from my end. Like I said, the natural gas is down, you know, still looking to dive in for a longer term play here. Um, I'm, I've got a couple things I've been working on. I honestly was going to go, I was going to go deep into silver bow and really got lucky. Not because things sort of flipped the charts on that one, but we did see them up huge twice in our um, biggest uh, movers last week. So that was really good to see. Bowl friends of the show forgot to
1: let Shaneer is still rolling.
0: Oh, I'm sure I'm Sh- Chenier, That is going to save our fund right there. We're going to stick with that till the cows come home. I love it.
1: it airs, uh in in the uh, stable.
0: Liquid natural gas. I love it. Um. Anything else before we let these people go here? Nope. I'm good.
1: Been a busy, busy week.
0: It has been a busy week. We have some great stuff coming up as always. Monday, we, we're not going to have a closing bell on Monday in terms of a, a 2 p.m. live show. We will be coming to you. We uh, we we always are working over the weekends. We'll come to you Monday morning. You should see our week ahead podcast that we'll be dropping. Um, so tomorrow and today will be our last two closing bells for the next three days. We'll give you we'll give you a little weekend off. We we we'll, we'll, we'll spare you um, some content um, as we mentioned. Alex Epstein, author of Moral Case of Fossil Fuels, you can check that interview out um, on the Energy 360 Network iTunes. Spotify, Intercom YouTube. You can find that Tuesday, Wednesday. What's Wednesday again? I almost, I forgot. We said at the beginning of the show,
1: what's,
0: what's Wednesday? I love those guys. Great to see them on Wednesday. They're actually cutting that up tomorrow. So I will be getting that chopped up this weekend on that. that, Um, we, that's the big dogs on that one. Uh, we're bringing out, uh, you're bringing out Aaron for that one, president of Intercom, right?
1: Bringing out the big guns
0: battle of the Titans. That'll be definitely one to see. And we will get that, um, well, we should be seeing a commercial and an early writer for that starting to circulate on all of the socials starting tomorrow. But with that, we're going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. And you, hey, if, if you want, go ahead and start your weekend early. Make it a four-day weekend. Uh, might as well I'll make think, it a four-day. They got to wait till our 2 o'clock live show. You're right, but I'm giving them permission in the morning. If you just want to okay. take a four-day weekend for Memorial, feel free to go ahead, you know, but slip back in for the live show so then your boss looks like you were there at eight to listen to the show. You were here at two to listen to the show and, you know, you can check in with a couple emails. That's so the beauty of the work from home life. You can work from the porch. Uh, but we are going to let you get back to work, finish up what you need to do, and it's our permission. You can go ahead and download. I'm still getting you the permission slips. So do we'll have permission slips for you. We'll get those fired up You can download them. Please check us out this afternoon for the 360 digital ticker. And please, please, please enjoy your three-day weekend. We will be coming back Monday morning for our Week Ahead podcast. See you then.